There's a lot of debate and talk in the religious circle regarding faith versus the law. And so on today's episode, we're going to be diving into Galatians chapter 3, verses 15 through 18, and seeing the importance of faith and the value that comes by living out the faith in the works that we do. So turn to Galatians chapter 3, and let's get into it. Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. What's up, my friends? Jason Jimenez here. So glad to be with you guys once again as we continue our study in the book of Galatians here on Stand Strong in the Word podcast. So this is podcast 171. And as I said in the opening, we are now in the section of Galatians chapter 3, verses 15 through 18. And the title here is The Need for Faith. Now, as always, if you guys have missed any previous podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, go download it, check those things out, go to standstrongministries.org, click on the podcast, find the book that we're studying, in this case right now it's Galatians, click on the tab, and you will see my study notes. So if you want to go deeper, hey, and you know what, you guys, I was just answering some questions not too long ago from viewers and listeners that uh, tune into this podcast. And again, I just got to say, guys, thanks for taking the time to give me your comments, give me your feedback, and even submitting questions. And I do my best. I get different, you know, requests and questions from my speaking or from a book I wrote or even on this this podcast or an interview that I did with someone. And so I do my best, though, as I try to navigate through those things to spend enough time to engage you guys. And But every time I do, I love it. I'm not always, you know, able to turn around a response, you know, with, within, um, you know, a few days. But I, I, I try my best and I want you guys to know that. But I have always appreciated the effort that you guys take and even your prayer requests. So if you have a question, a comment, feedback, uh, whatever it is, I am more than happy to receive them and love receiving them. Info at standstrongministries.org is where you can reach me. So take advantage of that and just know that I love hearing from you guys and so appreciate just, again, through the years, what I've received from people all over the world. It's a great reminder that we don't just live in our little myopic life, you know, and, and like, for example, I live here in Charlotte, North Carolina. You know, that there's the body of believers that are all over the world. And I love what I do because I get to jump into different denominations, different events, different conferences, engage different speakers, different pastors, different writers, journalists, you know, media outlets, and just engage people like you guys. I mean, just parents, grandparents, young and old. It doesn't matter, different ethnicities, different backgrounds. And just seeing the love that people have for Jesus and hearing their testimony and, and even just like this platform of how we can come together and take time, whether it be 30 minutes to almost an hour, whatever passage, you know, what, whatever it requires, right? That we would just dive into that and that you and I grow. And, and I just want to say something too, is I was praying before we started to record this episode, Lord, I don't want this podcast. This is what I was praying, you guys. I want this podcast just to be informative where people learn things about the Bible and that's it. Like they just gain head knowledge. I want it to be transformative. 
And what I mean by that is, as I was praying and asking the Lord that he would just speak to you guys as he speaks to me, that God, as we take the knowledge, if we study verse by verse, that it's not just something that we learn like the culture, like cultural significance about something or give you some insight into the language and what it means in the Greek. And that's great. We need that. And that's one thing you guys know on this podcast where this is not a sermon. Um, this is not me coming as I would preach like in a typical Sunday service at a church, you know, that I get invited to go speak at. This is conversational Bible study. This is us engaging the Bible and just walking through it and, and not getting sometimes sidetracked with, you know, points and emphasis of this or that, you know, and, and a lot of application, very little uh, doctrinal or, or hermeneutic understanding of the text. And so even as we do that, our prayer as we go deep in scripture, verse by verse, and in chronological order, is that we would allow the truth of God's word to wash us, to refine us, to convict us. And my prayer is that it would draw you guys closer to him. And so that's my prayer, you guys. And I just felt just, you know, compelled as I jumped on to record this episode to let you guys know that we take it very seriously. I mean, the word of God means everything to us. And all the things I teach on, there's nothing more important than teaching the Bible. And that's why we, and sometimes there's weeks where, you know, I'm on vacation or traveling and not able to be in the studio to record. But, you know, more, more, more often than not, we, we are in studio recording this because we want our ministry to be about teaching God's word because uh, in, in the worldview industry, if you will, in the, in the realm of Christian apologetics, you know, there's a strong emphasis, and rightly so, on defending the faith, right? People have objections against Christianity. And so how would you respond by giving people evidence that's persuasive, et cetera? And oftentimes there's a, there's a form of vindication with critical thinking and, and being a rhetoric, you know, and dealing with rhetoric stuff. And that's all important. Those are great tactics. And we see Many people use them, Moses, John the Baptist, Jesus, and Paul. But what I've seen through my life as a Christian and being a servant of the Lord uh, pastorally for well over two decades um, is the biblical illiteracy among families. Now, if you've been following me long enough, that's why we started Stand Strong Ministries, because we want to embolden Christians to to stand strong in their faith, and to have confidence, two, to equip you guys with a biblical worldview, and so that three, you can engage the culture with the truth and love of Jesus Christ. And so we do that through this podcast, through speaking, through writing books, etc. But let us not forget that God's word is the most important, and we are seeing more Christians now than ever before who do not know the Bible. And if you think about it in time, especially before the Protestant church became very much, you know, on its own and split from the Catholic church. And of course, they had differences of opinion theologically. But even at the time, there was a lot of people who were biblically literate. And it wasn't because they didn't care or apathetic to scripture. It's that scripture was not written in their language. And, I, and I, I bring that up because think about how blessed, especially if you live in America, in North America, in the United States, and even in parts of Europe. I mean, you have the Bible in your language. You have the Bible 
present. You have access freely to it on the internet, on a, an app that you may have downloaded on your phone. And yet, despite the availability, the excessiveness that we have to scripture, um, very few people read it daily, let alone studying it like we do here on the podcast. And so, guys, my heart is just that as we go into scripture, uh, let us let the Lord speak to us. And I just love the fact that you guys are taking this time to study the Bible with me because that just motivates me all the more. So I want you guys to know that, that you help hold me accountable um, to studying God's word daily and to live it out. So let's now transition into Galatians chapter three. Now, just as a reminder in, in podcast 170, the title was The Righteous Shall Live by Faith. And that's available again at standstrongministries.org. Click on podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Four. We we just embed the SoundCloud, um, but but obviously wherever you get your podcast, Stitcher, you know Apple, whatever, Spotify, you know, take advantage of that. But where we left off was we were talking about the righteous shall live by faith, and we know that doing the law, fulfilling it, that is, does not save a person. And so that's but but because of that, that does not mean that we toss out the law as though it's bad. So if you've been following along in Galatians chapter three with me. I mean, I think this is probably like the fourth study now in Galatians 3 alone. And the overarching theme here is the righteous shall live by faith. I mean, that's the, that's the, the message that Paul is appealing to the Galatians. And he, he does it with great intensity. And he does it with great uh, directness, you know, from verse 1 all the way to the end of chapter 3. And so just to, just to kind of highlight where we left off in verses 1 through 5, the question here is about the Holy Spirit. The law, you don't gain the Holy Spirit through the law, through the works of the law. And remember that Paul categorized that term in the Greek as ergon nomoia. And that literally meant to capture specific laws that require to be saved according to the Judaizers and the primary being circumcision. But Paul was showing them the distinction of hearing things by faith. That requires obedience. And we talked about how one comes to receive the Holy Spirit by putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ or indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So it's, it's, it's like that simultaneous moment when you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is your Lord and you believe you know, with your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And it's at that moment that the Holy Spirit indwells you. It doesn't just come upon, but you become, the Bible says, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And then we saw Abraham. How was Abraham saved? And we looked at that in verses six through nine. And then the last time, you know, when we were covering Galatians three, we looked at verses 10 through 14 and we talked about justification by faith and what's so amazing. And I can't wait until we jump into, into Romans because Galatians being first before Romans in, 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 the, in the date in which Paul wrote, you know, these letters, this is the first time that Paul's addressing the doctrine, if you will, of justification by faith. And so we talked about the significance of that and the work of Christ in verses 13 through 14, where Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming the curse for us. And now as we're, as we're diving into verses 15 through 18, we see the value and the need. Now, faith is not a commodity, you know, in this sense. But faith is, 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 what we utilize that we've been given through free will by directing it to the ultimate object, which is God. And that's what we're recognizing. That's what we're realizing. And that's what we're confessing. Always, even as a Christian today, when I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ in the beginning, as you have done, if you have, 
we don't stop having faith. I would argue that our faith is to grow, right? And is to be more active, right? Faith in the beginning was is a, is in the form of confessing something that we need. And now recognizing as we needed Christ in the beginning, we have faith knowing that we need him all the more as we have faith knowing that he will return because that would be the ultimate fulfillment when we will be with him face to face. So with that being said, let's dive now into verses 15 through 18 and let's understand the need that we have for faith. Now, again, where we left off, the righteous shall live by faith. So now he's exploring the need of that and what he's going to be talking about in this short section. So in verse 15, it says here, to give a human example. Okay, so let's jump back to verse 14 to understand why is he giving a human example? Because in verse 14 of Galatians 3, Paul said, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So he says, now let's give a a human example, brothers. Even with a man-made covenant here in verse 15, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring who is Christ. This is what I mean. This is verse 17. The law, which came 430 years afterward, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Now, let me just say, because I'm sure some of you guys are thinking it through already, what on earth is Paul talking about? And why is he says, let me give you a human example. And he starts talking about Abraham and an offspring and 430 years and this being annulled or not being annulled. And what is this whole thing about? Well, let's unpack it, right? That's what we do here on the podcast. So let's just jump right back and understand when he says, even with a man-made covenant, So what that literally means, a man-made covenant, what he's talking about is the last will or testament of someone, okay? So here's the breakdown, and this is why there's the need for faith. Because when you, remember, he was already using Abraham as an example. Abraham put his faith in God in the Old Testament, which was a prototype, okay, if you will. And so it wasn't the law that saved Abraham because remember, he put his faith in God and God accounted to him as righteousness before he was circumcised. You see that in Genesis 12, Genesis 15, before you get to Genesis 17. So he's already made that case to the Galatians as to why the primary law uh, that needs to be fulfilled or exercised is circumcision does not save you. And he uses Abraham as an example. So now he's showing about works and faith And so he's saying, look, remember, God promised to bless Abraham. But not only did God promise to bless Abraham, but he also promised to bless his future descendants. And so Abraham, you know, of course, at this time when God was speaking to him in Genesis 13 and following, he was Abram, but he would later be known as the father of many nations. And you see that in Genesis 17, verse 8, and Genesis 24, verse 7. So when Paul's using this phrase, no one annuls it, what is he talking about? He's talking about the law um, 
in, 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 in accordance or the covenant, I should say, of testament of, of someone, their last will. So he, he was saying that this promise could not be broken because God declared it so. So just like a man-made covenant, when someone leaves a will, just like we do today, and you sign it and it's been verified that this is my, you know, my last will or testament, this is what I leave to my loved ones. These are my final words, right? They are to be executed. Well, we don't have things that, that we are, I, let me put it this way. The blessings that we have today is not because ultimately of Abraham's obedience. In part, that's true. But the promises that Israel and later the church has been crafted in uh, receive is because of God's faithfulness to the covenant and to your offspring. So here Paul's connecting the seed because that's what it means. Offspring means in Greek just seed. And it could apply to an, to an individual or even to a particular group. And Paul chose to use the singular because he wanted to fit his case that the seed, if you will, does not come from Isaac, which is a common Jewish interpretation, but the seed ultimately comes from Christ, who is the anointed Messiah, who will eventually come to save his people from their sins. And so that's the faith that you and I have. That's the need for faith because remember, not everything, even where, where we're living right now in the church age, not everything has been fulfilled, but we have faith knowing that one day they will be because, because of prophetic scripture. And we hold fast to that. If God was faithful in the past, he's faithful now, he'll be faithful in the future. God does not change. And that's a lesson that Abraham learned. That's a lesson that Moses learned. That was a lesson that David learned. That was a lesson that Paul was learning, you know, as an apostle here, as he's writing to Galatians and we're learning today. And so as he, as he continues and he's talking about, you know, he says, what I mean, so now he's explaining, let me go deeper about this law, which came 430 years afterwards. It does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. So what he's doing here, and this is a little confusing, so bear with me. What Paul's doing here and referring to the law, and he's saying it was 430 years ago, what he's saying is, he says, look, if you go back, because he's referencing a passage, if you go back to Exodus 12, 40 through 42. And he says, I'm going to demonstrate with you in that passage, for you guys in that passage, that the Hebrews, they were in Egypt at this time. And it's approximately, not exact, it's approximately 430 years. And let me just read it for you guys so we understand the passage in Exodus 12, 40 through 42. This is what it reads. It says, the time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years years at the end of 430 years at that very day all the hosts of the lord went out from the, the land of egypt it was a night of watching by the lord to bring them out of the land of egypt so this same night is a night of watching kept to the lord by all the people of israel throughout their generations now let me quote for you and i'll and you know i don't agree with all of his positions and his interpretation obviously john macarthur but I like what he says here in his attempt to clarify Paul's dating of the 430 years based on what we just saw here in Exodus chapter 12, and he's bringing in Galatians chapter 3, verse 17. MacArthur writes, quote, from Israel's sojourn in Egypt, okay, marking Exodus 12, verse 40 that I just read to you. So from Israel's so sojourn in Egypt to the giving of the law at Sinai, 
is about 1445 BC, okay? Now, the law actually came 645 years after the initial promise to Abraham. So that would mark in 2090 BC. And this can be cross-referenced in Genesis 12, verse 4, Genesis 21, verse 5, Genesis 25, verse 26, Genesis 47, verse 9. So he says the law actually came 645 years, notice, after the initial promise to Abraham, but the promise was repeated to Isaac in Genesis 26, verse 24, and later to Jacob in approximately 1928 BC in Genesis 28, verse 15. So the last known reaffirmation of the Abrahamic covenant to Jacob occurred in Genesis 46 in verses 2 through 4, which was in 1875 BC just before he went to Egypt, 430 years before the Mosaic law was given. So that is a great, concise explanation. Now, I will have this on my notes at stanstrongministries.org. So you can look at podcast 171, Galatians 3, verses 15 through 18 to see this quote that I read from John MacArthur. But that's what he's explaining here is talking about the Abrahamic covenant to Jacob that occurred in Genesis 46. That was just before, remember, they went into Egypt and that was 430 years before the Mosaic law was given. Now, obviously, the Mosaic law implies the law was given to who? To Moses. So this phrase now does not annul a covenant. So the covenant to Abraham foreshadowed the law that was given to Moses. See, that's important. You can't have one without the other. The covenant to Abraham foreshadowed the law that would be given to Moses. So there'd be 430 years since Jacob because that's a patriarch and Jacob would be known as Israel. The law that was given to the Israelites um, that they would be inhabiting the promised land in the law of God. So this is important because then God, by giving Moses the law, it didn't nullify the promises that were given to Abraham according to Genesis 17, 9 through 14. So there's consistency. And why is there consistency? Because of the faithfulness of God, because of who God is. God made a promise to Abraham and God kept that promise. And so the covenant he had with Abraham was a foreshadowing of the law that would be given to Moses. And we know that Moses was the beginning of the people that were coming out of slavery, which again, it depicts all of these amazing things that were foreshadowings of Christ to come. And so as God spoke to Abraham, God spoke to Moses. And so that's what Paul is using to appeal to the Galatians who have influence not just in their Greek culture, but also in the Jewish culture as well. So when he talks about in verse 18 here, this final um, push of, of the need for faith, Abraham had faith, Moses had faith. It wasn't like that was non-existent. There was need for that. And so he says, for if the inheritance comes by the law, so again, he's saying, if the law, if our inheritance comes strictly from the law standpoint, not by faith, then it, is no long, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. So what he's saying here is that God's promised inheritance to Abraham, it was not based on whether he could keep the law without fail. So never do we see that with Abraham and Moses. That was never a mandate given by God. Now, of course, he wanted loyalty. 
He wanted obedience. And there needs to be repentance and obedience because we know that we can't, we will, as fallen people, we will never fully and completely and perfectly obey. Because that's impossible because of our nature, but not with God in his nature, which is why God placed Abraham, remember, in a deep sleep. And it would be God who passed through the animal sacrifices in order that his covenant with man be preserved for centuries to come. And you can read that in Genesis 15, verses 12 through 21. And it's a beautiful picture because the Abrahamic covenant was unilateral. It was irrevocable. And we're told in scripture, particularly in the book of Romans, that God's promises are, his plans are irrevocable. God does not regret promises he made in the past. Nor does God forget promises that he made in the past. Now, when I say past, not in, in conjunction to who God is, but in response or in relation to his creation. Okay, because we are in time, space, and matter, not God. Let me read to you guys as I close out a significant passage that speaks, I believe, to not only the passages that Paul's touching on here in Genesis, or excuse me, in Galatians 3, 15 through 18, by referencing Abraham and then Moses and going back through the book of Genesis and the book of Exodus. I believe the writer of Hebrews is taking the gist of what Paul's saying here in, in, in account to the passages as, as at hand. And here in Hebrews 6, 13 through 18, this is how the writer of Hebrews speaks to the need for faith. It says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you, and thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. End quote. I absolutely love that passage because it says here, let me read it again. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise of the unchangeable character of his purpose. See guys, here's the thing. And this is the need for faith. And that same passage I read to you, by the way, or excuse me, that same book in Hebrews 11, it is impossible without faith to please God. Because when you're drawn, when you draw near to God, when you come before God, you must believe that he, notice he is, okay, who he says he is. So when God gives a promise, one of the things we focus in on is the character of the person with that promise. The promise exists and the promise is only as good as a person who's promising it. And you need to put your faith in that person who is guaranteeing the promise. That's why, you guys, we need to have faith. We need to trust in God and his plans in knowing that the covenant he had with Abraham thousands of years ago is unilateral and is irrevocable. And right now, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're faced with, 
you think you, you you think to yourself, what is happening to the world? Why are there people who are abandoning God or rejecting God? And you have so many immoral or corrupt leaders, and you have governments that are trying to strip people of their uh, sovereign rights, their inherent rights. And you think about us even here in America. I'm speaking on behalf of Americans, uh, particularly religious ones. What about our religious freedoms? But you know what, you guys? I trust the Lord. I have faith in the Lord, and I know that despite what we are faced with today, this is not our everlasting tomorrow. This is not where my family nor I will remain in this corruption, in this sin. But one day we will be renewed. We will receive our ultimate inheritance that God has guaranteed to his children. And I have faith in that, and I pray you have faith in that as well. So I pray this has encouraged you guys as we've looked at Galatians 3 and that you're reminded, Lord, what does my faith look like? You know, as you ask yourself that. And as you ask yourself that question, that you're reminded that I need to have more faith in the Lord and in my prayer life. And so I pray that encourages you guys. And I'm thankful that you guys continue to support this ministry, pray for this ministry as we look to study the scriptures together so that you and I can stand strong in our faith because we stand strong on the word of God. So I love you guys. And until next time, keep standing strong, my friends. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening and keep standing strong in the word of God.